This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club podcast. Here's your host, Chip Souza of the Hog Sports Network. This is Chip Souza, Hog Sports Club luncheon today. We had a great speaker today, Kevin Trainer, a uh, sports information, longtime sports information director at the University of Arkansas, was the guest speaker today, and he regaled us with some great stories about all of his tenure there and things that have happened. So great there. Uh, also honored uh, Prep Athlete of the Week, which is Reagan Harp of the Fayetteville Lady Bulldogs, and I talked to her before today's luncheon. Talking with Reagan Harp, the Prep Rally Player of the Week. You guys are off to, I mean, you know, undefeated in conference. Yes. Um, I'm guessing maybe people thought maybe with, you know, so many players you guys lost last year, you might take a little dip down. Do y'all kind of take that a little personal? Honestly, I do because I think everyone thought we were going to be like the underdogs this year. And losing everyone, I think that they thought we were going to be a completely different team. And we are, but in the sense of winning and hopefully getting another state title, I don't think we are. What is it like to jump up high over the net <laughs> and put one down? I mean, it's got to be like, you know, your eyes had to get really big. You know your setters, I mean, put one in the perfect spot. Yeah, it's the best feeling because my teammates are the best. And honestly, my favorite part is their reactions. And uh, last night was a perfect example of that. We had a really good game. And, um, you know, Quincy was putting the ball perfectly every single time. And so I was putting down a lot of balls last night. So it was really good. How do you how do you work that chemistry? How do you, I mean, how, you know, because, I mean, you got to have mm-hmm. – you got to, I guess, read and know how she's going to set that up. Mm-hmm. And is she normally the one that sets you up or does it matter? Yes, it's normally her. Um, we've had a really good friendship since when I moved up here in seventh grade. So we've been really close friends, so obviously that helps. And she has been one of my setters since my freshman year. So we already had a pretty good connection before this year. Do you ever miss one and go, you didn't set it right, because you didn't hit it right. You just, yeah, do you ever have, have that? Of course, we always go back and forth with that. <laughs> so seven and on the conference, you yes. guys went through the first, I guess, undefeated? Or do you have still one? Yes, we're undefeated. Okay, so, um, you know, you have to take a lot of pride in that. Yes, of course, yes. Good, good deal. So moving forward, what's, uh, what's one of the goals looking ahead? So we have our last um, first round of conference game. It's tomorrow against Heritage. And if we get that under our belt, it will be really good for us to have the whole first part of conference won. And I'm really just looking forward to playing a lot of the teams that we played away at home because our student section is honestly one of the best. Awesome. Well, that's Reagan Harp, the player of the week this week for the prep rally. And for the podcast, congratulations so far. And good luck the rest of the way. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Reagan Harp, our Prep Rally Player of the Week. Our Prep Program of the Week was the Pea Ridge Blackhawks. They are off to a 3-0 start. I talked to head coach Bray Cook before the luncheon today. All right, I'm talking with Brady Cook, the head football coach at P. Ridge. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, Brady. The undefeated P. Ridge Blackhawks. How does, how, does, how does that sound? It sounds good. You know, we're, we're really excited about where we're at, um, but we're also excited to keep it going. And, yeah. and you know, that means uh, not worrying about the being undefeated, just worrying about the day. You know, it took you kind of a little while to kind of implement, I guess, your program and what you wanted. I'm, I know you and I talked about this a while back about, you know, getting a strength program going, get, getting that involved. How much has that paid off for you guys? Oh, it's, it's been huge. It's, it's really been one of the biggest differences that we've been, been able to make. And, and that starts with our administration really buying into the weight room. I got a whole new weight room, new a new place to get these kids um, some training that they didn't have before. And, and it's paying off right now on the field. 
What do you feel like the biggest difference is from where you guys are now as compared to maybe last year, year before? You know, the biggest difference for us is confidence. Uh, you know, last year a big play happens for another team, and you know you feel our energy drain. This year that big play happens, and then all of a sudden our guys just amp up right to match that that, that big moment. So. Who've been some of the kids who've really been a standout for you guys so far through three games? Yeah, um, you know I'm really proud of our offensive line. Um, they average I think it was 271 yards a game right now, 10 yards a carry. Uh, Seth Foster, our leading running back, has done a great job. Uh, Aaron Burris is a corner, first-year starter, who has four interceptions, currently leading that stat uh, for the whole state right now. Good deal. This is Bray Cook, the football coach at Pea Ridge. Coach, congratulations on a good start, and good luck the rest of the way. Sir, thank you. Bet. And again, congratulations to Bray Cook and the Pea Ridge Blackhawks, who are off to a 3-0 start this season. And uh, good luck to them the rest of the way. Kevin Trainer with the University of Arkansas was our guest speaker today at the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club luncheon. Here is Kevin Trainer. This is my first time doing this too, so okay, we're, let's, we're, <laughs> we're in this together. Uh, so I'm a recent grad of the U of A. I graduated in 2022, and I remember Kevin coming and talking to my journalism class um, about crisis control PR two years ago. It's kind of cool now to be sitting in this seat asking you questions about it but I know you've had your fair share of dealing with crisis between you know deaths or firings um just what goes into you know maintaining a good message during those moments I don't know what you're talking about we have had no issues <laughs> at the University of Arkansas um you know I appreciate you asking that um true story uh I was actually uh, giving a speech uh, up in Kemple Hall, many of you are familiar with Kemple Hall on the University of Campus, about crisis management uh, when I got a call from the Arkansas State Police about a police report that was coming out about someone perhaps being on a motorcycle. But anyway, uh, you can't make that up. <laughs> that is. Um, you know, uh, it, crisis management's not something that you plan to try to be good at or have experience at, I should say. Uh, but certainly, like with anything else, uh, you learn lessons uh, along the way uh, from, you know, from uh, obviously uh, Coach Petrino's situation, from the hiring and firing of coaches, uh, from, as uh, is, is Ethan mentioned, uh, perhaps the most difficult things to work with are when you're dealing with the deaths of student athletes. Uh, the rest of those things uh, are certainly impactful. Uh, but when you're dealing with life and death, uh, did an interview this morning, again, still remembering the time, um, getting the call about Brandon Burlesworth passing away, obviously more recently Garrett Ekman, uh, and there have been other things along the way. But I, I, think, I think what um, the, the key is there is to be as transparent as you can be. Uh, there's uh, so much has changed, obviously, in the way the information is disseminated. It used to be that the news station or the newspaper would call and you'd have till five or six o'clock to come up with a statement. Now they've uh, tweeted it uh, or posted something before they even call you um, because that's the world we're in now. Uh, we learn a lot of our information online. Uh, but, um, you know, going back to the most, I guess probably the, the biggest one there with Coach Petrino, the one thing that I was proud of is uh, that we uh, try to be as forthright as we could be. Uh, we didn't know a lot of facts at the time that uh, we were finding them out at the same time. But in the end, I think uh, the university um, got some national recognition for uh, trying to handle that situation in the best way possible. Sometimes 
crisis management's not about, it's certainly not about erasing bad things that happen, but it certainly is about mitigating the damage. And so I think just trying to be as, uh, being as truthful as you can, as timely as you can. And sometimes, again, I, I think relationships uh, with the media are very important as well. Um, uh, there have been times uh, because of trust that I've built up with media members covering the Razorbacks, I've been able to be straight with them and share with them some things that I can and can't share with them. So I think all of those play into that. It's something that you never hope you do again, but you know it's coming, and so you just wait and, and, and get ready for the next one. So you just said um, handling crisis, um, it's changed over the decades since you've been here just with the internet, but what are some other ways that you know communications roles have really changed over those three decades? Well, you know, it used to be that uh, we would, back when we were trying to get interviews of student athletes, we would uh, try to catch them after practice or try to call them on their uh, dormitory phone, right? We'd try to catch them on their phone. Um, well, guess what? Uh, all of us have this little device in our hand now, uh, and in some ways that's made it easier, obviously. Uh, I, I could text student athletes, text coaches, uh, but it's also, it's always also a communications device that is on all the time. And uh, so um, it, it's a challenge um, for student athletes, especially today, and coaches. Um, there's a lot that goes on out there. Um, you know, you saw the reports this week about the young man from Colorado State who had the late hit uh, and some of the threats. Uh, things, can, uh, things can spiral quickly uh, on, online. And uh, so probably the most challenging thing is helping young men and women uh, not only learn things about communicating in a traditional media sense, but understanding um, w what the perils that are involved in potentially in engaging in social media. You know, it's easy to say, hey, just don't do it, but these are young men and women that have grown up with it. Uh, it's, it's, it's as natural as uh, some things were to us when we were growing up. So I think uh, working with them to try to understand um, those uh, things, and there's just been so much that has changed. Again, everybody is a, a video away or a tweet away uh, from from uh, news story breaking and uh, impacting uh, the state. I, I often say I have a job that if I, I can send the entire state in a tizzy with an email, right? If, if we call a press conference or do something, announce something, uh, it's, it's amazing how quickly that happens. So that's, that's probably, you know, the biggest impact. And, you know, over your years here, you've dealt with some really big personalities, you know, Houston Nutt, Dave Van Horn, Frank Boyles, Jeff Long, Hunter Yurchek, just to name a few. Um, what's Brad, kind Dunn. Of, Brad Dunn. <laughs> Brad Dunn. Um, what's kind of the key to, you know, managing, learning different personalities that can be so, you know, out there at times? That's a, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I've been very fortunate to work with, um, if you will. I know sometimes in the summer everybody gets bored and we play uh, – uh, who, who's going to, uh, you know, who's going to, who are the four greatest Razorbacks or who's going to be on the Mount Rushmore of Razorback coaches or that sort of thing. Uh, but to have worked with Coach Broyles, Nolan Richardson, uh, John McDonald, Dave Van Horn, uh, Norm DeBryan, uh, all, of, uh, all of those and great coaches, Lance Harder, uh, so many great coaches, but all of them are a little different. They have different philosophies. They have different approaches and obviously uh, have been successful for those individuals. You know, Courtney Diefel 
is handles her program a little differently than Dave Van Horn. Uh, Jordan Weaver is going to handle it different um, than Mike Neighbors, uh, but they all have found success. And so, uh, you know, I think it's really getting to know the coach, understanding, uh, being pretty clear on where they want to go. Um, but I think it's also being uh, not afraid to share with them things that they need to hear. Uh, I, I think whether it's Coach Pittman or uh, Coach Van Horn, they, they're experts. I, as I tell Coach Van Horn all the time, I, I'm not here as a sport administrator to coach third base. Uh, but there are some things that I can contribute. There's some expertise that I have that may not be uh, in their skill set uh, to offer that. So I, I think, and sometimes if you're not providing coaches uh, some, at least some advice and, and counsel, uh, you're not serving them. Now, ultimately, if they make decisions, whether it's the athletic director or not, and they make decisions and, and they uh, go with it, uh, then you're fully supportive of them. But, uh, you know, I, I'll never... I'll never uh, forget several conversations I had with Coach Broyles and uh, trying to uh, get him to understand a point. Coach Broyles never lost an argument. Um, and the only reason you knew you had won is he would change the subject. So I remember we were talking about the capacity of the stadium, and he just was, uh, and finally I'd made the point, and so then he just changed the subject. So I knew that I had, had won, but, uh, but, I think people in those leadership positions, we've got two coaches here, they need to hear that feedback. Um, you, you, they need to hear uh, and, and they need to know that you're behind them and that you will support them. And so I think that's the key is showing your loyalty to them and support, but also not letting them uh, take a step that may hurt them in the long run. In talking about handling all the different aspects that go on within a department, all the different personalities, the department still wants to have kind of a consistent overall um, kind of department message. What kind of is that of the University of Arkansas? Well, I think if you, uh, you'll hear Hunter here later in, in November here, I think you'll hear a message of, um, you know, a couple of key points. Uh, and, and I think one of the things that I love about the University of Arkansas is a lot of schools say, hey, we're committed to all sports, and really they're just, you know, really committed to a couple, and then they just kind of give to uh, but if you go through our 19 sports and you go through our facilities and you go through the resources that we offer to the young men and the young women, 465 of them that, that compete for us, uh, there's a legitimate commitment uh, for them to succeed. And uh, so I, I think you hear that. You hear us talk a lot about the Director's Cup. Uh, and the reason we do that is because it, it measures success across the board. And I realized, listen, we were at the Little Rock Touchdown Club on Monday, and I know when Hunter Yurchek started talking about Directors' Cup, people were like, well, what about football? And, and I get that. And football is certainly a part of that. Um, but we, we do have uh, an ex extremely successful program across the board, three top uh, 13 finishes uh, uh, in the last three years. Those are the three best finishes. And what that speaks to 31 SEC championships in the last five years in 11 different sports. So the people that want to say, hey, it's just track and field, it's not, track, it's not just track and field. It's softball. It's baseball. It's soccer. It's uh, just been to back-to-back -back elite eights. Gymnastics continues to be on the rise. We mentioned volleyball, the first um, tournament win uh, in, since the late 90s. Um, and so it, it is, uh, it, it's really exciting. But those are really the themes and just the one, the idea that we are rallied around the Razorbacks here in Arkansas. It's such a unique situation. 
perhaps only mirrored maybe in Nebraska as far as uh, as far as not really professional teams, other Power Five, Division One programs. So we really uh, eat and and drink and and bleed Razorback red. Um, and so that's why you'll hear us talk about one Razorback because it does take everyone here in Arkansas to support our program. So you talked a little bit about your roles with being the moderator of SEC Media Days, the football one, and then uh, also the college football playoff. Just kind of what goes into being successful in that role? Well, I, I think. Um, you know, the opportunity, all the experiences that I've had to this point have led me to be able to be in those situations. And I think being around, I've learned so much from our coaches, from the different personalities that I've dealt with, and knowing and being in that, in that venue, it's, um, it, it's a feel thing. I mean, there's, um, listen, I, I can tell you, there are a lot of coaches that don't like sitting up on that stage for 30 minutes, not knowing what question's coming next. Uh, and it's always, it's always entertaining. Uh, I, I think uh, Bob Holt did a tally for me this last year. I think I've had 42 different head coaches come through that table at SEC Football Media Day since I've done that. Some of them come back. Um, a few years ago, uh, after Will Muschamp had been fired at Florida, he got hired at South Carolina, he came back and he said, Kevin, you're still here. And I said, yeah, coach. I said, coaches come and go. The moderator stays. So... Uh, um, but uh, I, I think it's just understanding the, the having a feel for what's around it. Clearly, Nick Saban is not a guy that wants to chat a lot, okay? So understanding what he wants. Um, you have Dabo Sweeney's a different personality. Um, you know, everybody's a little bit different, adapting, understanding uh, what they want and helping them get to where they want to be. Um, it, it, it's, it's really a fun part of it. And listen, I, I get a chance to be at some amazing events, be a part of some special moments, and that's, it's really, uh, really a pleasure for me to be able to do that. And then you also talked about being a sport admin for baseball and volleyball. I know you have a lot more to choose from from baseball at this point because you said you've only been doing volleyball shortly, but kind of what are some of your favorite memories in that role, and why is a sport admin necessary for a program? Well, one of the things I love about volleyball is an indoor sport, right? Because I spend more time looking at the radar <laughs> in baseball uh, with the being spring. Uh, no, sport administrator, very simply, obviously, Hunter Year checks over all of our programs. Uh, but there, I, I use this example. Uh, not everything needs to go to the Supreme Court, right? If, if, if we're having, uh, there, there's some things uh, he's, he's focused on, on globally. He's relying on some of us as administrators to know what's going on day to day in those programs. He's very hands-on, but uh, getting, getting with Coach Watson, getting with Coach Van Horn, uh, working with budgets, working with scheduling, uh, working with items that may come up, whether that's uh, student-athlete um, issues uh, or just, you know, whether it's somebody's uh, getting uh, their professors not working with us, that sort of thing. There are a number of things that go into that. Um, and But it, but it also it gives you a chance uh, to get to know the student-athletes and, uh, and, and be there for them. Um, you know, because, again, th they're very focused on their sport, as, as you would expect and you would hope to, but they're also looking to go forward and, and do things beyond sports. So sometimes connecting them to resources, whether that's career development, uh, Several, several have come in and done internships after their um, athletic career is over. So really opening that uh, gamut uh, to them. But uh, great memories. Clearly, 
Uh, as my wall in my office will attest, I've been blessed to go to five College World Series uh, with Coach Van Horn. Uh, been part of some just unbelievable moments on the baseball field. Uh, to work with Coach Nutt, uh, we, we just had um, had just had our 98 team back to be able to to work uh, alongside guys like Darren McFadden and Felix Jones and Matt Jones and and just Razorback greats. You look back now. The only thing that I don't like is when they show those old games. They showed I think Kentucky seven overtime, and I looked a lot younger and a lot skinnier in 2003. Uh, but all those great memories to be a part of some of the most iconic moments in Razorback sports, you look back and, and, and you appreciate. Uh, but again, the things you remember are the moments, but remembering and celebrating those moments with the young men and women that accomplished them. Then I want to close with maybe asking you to tell a story about something. I've heard that it'd be interesting to ask you about driving uh, Dana Altman back <laughs> uh, to the airport the day after he gave up the Arkansas I, I, job. I did, Mitch. Well, I do hold the distinction of driving Dana Altman's courtesy car more than he did. Um, in fact, I don't think he, he drove it. Uh, so for those of you that are familiar with the story, obviously, um, we had uh, made a coaching change, and we had uh, hired Dana Altman uh, from Creighton uh, to be our new head basketball coach. He, he was at the Final Four in Atlanta that year, had flown home to Omaha uh, to tell his team and to tell his 15-year-old daughter that they were no longer going to live in Omaha, and they were moving to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And then he got on a plane to come to Fayetteville, and we, we held a, uh, a press conference there at Bud Walton Arena. Um, obviously, as part of the press conference at that time, we introduced the coach. We, had the, we handed the coach a hat with the idea the coach would put on the hat, and uh, we would call the hogs, and that's how we were going to end the press conference. Well. Uh, Dana Ullman is uh, a fantastic coach. He's gone on to a great career, had a lot of success at Oregon. Um, he got to the podium. He, he's a very quiet individual, just very, very low-key. Got to the podium, uh, didn't put on the hat, okay? And so, um, you know, everybody was still celebratory, so I dropped Coach Altman off at his event that night, picked him up the next morning in the hotel, took him to the office, and... Um, and went back to the Broil Center and started the workday. Got a call about 10.30 in the morning, said, you better get down to Bud Walton Arena. Things are not going well. And I'm like, well, things are not going well. I mean, I literally have dropped him off. It's two hours. I mean, what could possibly have gone wrong in two hours? So I get in there, and um, obviously things were not going well. And it was very clear that uh, Coach Altman had had second thoughts and um, and was was dealing with some things both from his family and and, and other reasons and, and decided that Arkansas wasn't the place for him. Well, at that point, it was literally how this was going to play out. So by the end of the day, um, four o'clock, we're walking out, and I'm driving Coach Altman uh, to Drake Field. Okay. And we have a small little press conference there on a patchy uh, spot of grass at the Bud Walton Arena loading dock. I get him in the car. We drive out to Drake Field. They've given me the code to get on the tarmac. I open the, open the gate. We get out and we drive. And the Creighton plane is not there yet. And so Coach Altman is very quiet. And he says, um, Kevin, I, I'm very sorry. This is, I'm sorry this has happened. I, this is, if you want to let me out right here, that, that's fine. And I said, Coach, I said, I, I know you feel sick about it. I'm sorry that it didn't work out. I said, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you. I said, you're, you're my coach. 
at least for another 15 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and he kind of looked over and kind of forced a, a little bit of a smile because you couldn't, couldn't help but just, uh, it was just a bizarre, <laughs> a bizarre moment. He finally got out of the car, not seen him or spoken to him since. Uh, but uh, it certainly was a uh, it was certainly was a unique unique situation. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Next week's luncheon, we'll have Brooke Matthews. She's a former Rogers and Arkansas golf standout. She is now a member of the LPGA Tour. The LPGA will, make, will be making its Northwest Arkansas stop next week at Pinnacle Country Club in Rogers. So we're looking forward to having Brooke uh, come and speak and tell us how her pro career is going. So we'll be back next week. Again, I'm Chip Souza with the Hog Sports Network from the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club Luncheon. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.